Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Ani Umana with Ronnie Flores here. Another episode 122. We appreciate everybody listening in, tuning in on your favorite, uh, you know, app, iTunes, Spotify, or even that YouTube version. We appreciate you guys watching it. So we're back at it again. It's been a crazy week of ball. I mean, I feel like you have a hangover. I'm money. Have you had or seen a weekend? <coughs> First NCAA weekend like the one we had. No, it's been a minute. I mean, just all the upsets. I mean, it's March Madness, you know, but like just, you know, just, you know, Baylor losing. You got Michigan in the Sweet 16. You got St. Peter's in the Sweet 16, Miami. Uh, Man, it's just been wild. And, you know, it's I I love it. I love it. Like we talked about it last week. We didn't, we, we expected that, you know, anybody can win any game. So, you know. We were right on that. Our yeah, brackets actually. may not be right, but <laughs> our brackets may be a little off, but we were right on a lot of things. The Big Ten not really showing well. Right. Again, as we expected. We 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 me and you, Chelsea, talked about that. And then we, you know, Michigan is kind of holding it down for them the last two years. They're they're the team that's been doing well. Uh, you know, we're gonna get into that. We want to talk about Geico's nationals and we want to talk about the state championships invitational, those two events, which we've talked about a lot recently. You know, the fields are set. We wanted to break it down. We're going to have some special guests, uh, Jordan Divins of Max Preps and Justin Young of Hoop Scene to talk a little bit about, you know, just the, the spring coming up, those events. So, you know, we, we'll talk a little bit about high school before our guests come on. Let's start with high schools. We kind of probe the paint. We won't get hard into the paint into the tournament until a little later. It was a big week in, in high school basketball. Obviously, we're winding down. Uh, there's only about – Three, four states still going on. Um, right. You know, we got Minnesota, Michigan, and Pennsylvania going to wrap up this week. And then all that will be left will be, you know, Geico, the final four weekend, and, and the new event the weekend after. So, again, Jordan of Max Preps is going to talk a little bit about that. Obviously, I do the Fab 50. He does the Max Preps rankings. And, you know, those are the ones that, uh, you know, USA Today's was around, and they kind of stopped their coverage. Uh, and then they kind of revamped. It. I'm not sure what they're doing anymore, but they stopped it right before the pandemic kicked off 219. And, you know, me and Jordan have been plugging away. And obviously I've been around. Uh, I'm a little bit older than him, but, uh, you know, he does a good job. So we want to get his take. He knows the teams pretty well. For sure. But, uh, you know, what did you make? There was a big, you know, at the top, there was two big state champions, two top ranked teams that lost. Number 11, Centerville, Ohio with Gabe Cups was undefeated. Had a 45-game winning streak. They lost to Pickering Central, known as Pick Central, in the Ohio D1 final. Uh, they went down. It was a pretty good game, but, you know, uh, Pick Central did a good job. They were considered the number two team in the in the final four field. And then out of New Jersey, Roselle Catholic, which has been very good. Uh, they've won four TOCs, Tournament of Champions in New Jersey, 213, 215, 218, and now 222. They took down Camden in overtime. Uh, you know, Dewan DJ Wagner, the great junior from Canada, he had a chance to give him a lead with like four seconds to go. Yeah. And then and then uh he had, you know, they made their free throws, they were up three, and then he shot a heave and it was off. But Roselle did a good job. What did you make of those two uh results there and and kind of you know a little small upsets, not huge, but Centerville going down was big news. Yeah, Centerville going down was was kind of caught me off guard. Uh yeah. 
Pickerton did a good job <clears throat> just defending, you know, yeah. Gabe comes making them work. I saw just kind of watching some of the stuff that I saw. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Sunday was on a 45 game win streak. They kind of, even though Pick was a top, was a number two seed, it just, you thought they're they're going to keep rolling. They're going to keep rolling. Yeah. Uh, Centerville was, but uh, you know, good. You know, it, it, it's just tough. You know, there's a lot of pressure when you win 45 games. You're undefeated, and you go to a state title game. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of pressure yeah. there. So, you know, <clears throat> so it's just one of those things. It was tough. Uh, Camden uh, losing was kind of showing how the season was. Like they had a yeah. good season, but you know, I think originally they ranked the top 10 team in uh. Yeah. In fat fifty, correct? Uh, yeah, they were pretty high. They might have been <clears> five or four. I, I, I got to look it up where they were in the preseason. I don't re- remember it exactly by heart, but they've been five, seven, ten, you know, eight the whole year, and and right. you know, it's it's been one of those seasons where they, they won some games, they lost. I think the only game that I saw that they lost, I was like, okay, man, was obviously the game that a lot of people saw, right? The one against Calvary, which is still playing, and obviously we're playing the state championship invitational, but. When when Calvary went down and and beat them at that big event, it's like okay, yeah, you know they 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 bounce back pretty good as we talked about that weekend. But, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know they I went, think they beat Sierra Canyon. Uh, yeah, yeah, they beat Sierra Canyon and and they went one and two that weekend, lost to Montverde, which wasn't a big surprise. But right, yeah, you know Roselle's been good. You know, uh, Simon Wiltshire going to North Carolina had a big game. Mm-hmm. You know they have a good team. And and they're very good, you know. Overall, they've just been very good. Coach Dave Boff does a good job there, and very interesting. That's the last uh, tournament of champions title uh, this, uh, you know, this ever. They it started in 1989, and it's now that was the last one. I guess they they made it to where they they thought it didn't really benefit a lot of other uh, a lot of other of student athletes like from the other schools okay. that was only beneficial. <clears throat> small amount so they 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 stopped it i guess it was a vote they had and uh they stopped it you know so we're gonna have uh jordan jump on in a moment but yeah that that that's very surprising i i'd always hope they continued it i I, it created great memories for the event and uh you know having that event was good you know i always promote a like having a tournament of champions or some kind of open division you know some states definitely need it i mean florida needs it badly georgia needs it Pennsylvania is still going. They got like seven divisions, you know, so it, it's it's just very interesting that they stopped. But I get they're trying to get the, the week back for all the teams at the beginning instead of uh, just having the state champions, meaning it only affects like six or eight teams. So let, I, I like I like the concept. I really oh, do. Yeah. And, I, and, yeah. and I think even in Texas, they did that one year. I think you just get so much like support and yeah. you get some really, really high level games. I understand you don't want to keep extending yeah. the weeks. But yeah. I mean, that's you're going to see some really good basketball, football. and like you got the, you know, that's the best team in the state, like no doubt Correct. about it. Correct. There's no doubt about it. It's one on the court. So let's let's bring in Jordan now. I think he's he's here on the line. Jordan, uh, can you can you hear us? Are you there? Yeah. How's it going, man? How you doing, Jordan? Good I appreciate you being on the In the Paint show. Appreciate you getting your uh, input. You always have good input. So thanks for joining. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime you. Uh... Want to hop on and talk some hoops? I'm here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jordan, wanted to get your highline take. Uh, you know, first off, we have, you know, the state championships wrapping up in Pennsylvania where you are. A few less states. But after that, it's just Geico and, and uh, you know, the state champions invitational, the new event. So just kind of wanted to get – do you think it was a natural progression to split Geico 
from the traditional state champs? I do think it was a natural progression. Um, you know, obviously at max preps this year, we actually split our rankings uh, before the season. So naturally we see, uh, sorry, did you, did I cut off there for a second? Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Sorry about that. All right. So, yeah, no, I mean, to me, it's a natural progression at max preps for the preseason rankings. We actually split them between independents and teams that compete for a state title. So uh, that's really the natural progression that we're seeing is just there's more and more of a divide in the talent for these top uh, independent programs, these uh, basketball academies, per se. Uh, sure. And the teams that compete for a state title are just uh, the gap is furthering more and more. Yeah, that makes sense. So you just think it's a it was a good natural progression because of the talent level, mostly, and just is just the gap that's growing between the two. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's just the talent level of teams that compete for a state title and teams that are on the independent circuit are just you know it, it's becoming more and more of a talent gap there gotcha what jordan what did you make of the uh the field you know the 14 field and the the concept of the event and the when the event's happening and and just uh the event itself that's going to take place the 7th through the 9th of april i think it's a strong field to start off the event obviously next year they're going to expand it to eight teams um and it's hopefully it's going to be more inclusive in the future hopefully more state associations will come on board and it'll be more of a national championship feel, which is what I feel like we're getting from Geico this year is kind of a national championship feel on, uh, from the independents. But, um, the more this event establishes itself, obviously it's in the first year, it's an extension of Geico, but this is the first year of this event. Uh, I think the more we see it grow, the more we're going to see it become more of a national championship feel. Whereas this year, Obviously, Calvary Christian comes in as a heavy favorite. Uh, But, I mean, the other teams in the field are no slouches. I mean, these are four good teams, and I think it's going to be high-level competition. What, uh, Jordan, just, um, you know, how much will the state championships, obviously this year with the four teams in in the – it's just his first year. But, like, going forward, you know, they want to add teams. How much will it weigh into, like, your final rankings? Well – it's a tough question for this season because, like I said, Calvary's such a heavy favorite that if they win, it probably won't impact their ranking much because we have Duncanville and Centennial at one and two pretty locked in. However, in uh, at the bottom of the rankings, you know, a Sidwell Friends, if they can win their first round, I mean, if they could upset Calvary and uh, they could win the whole thing, they could move into the top ten. So, I mean, it could really have a big impact on uh, the other three teams, you know, Auburn, Norcross, um, and Sidwell could all see major rises in the rankings if they're able to win. For Calvary, it's kind of one of those events where these are some impressive wins to build onto the resume, tack on the resume, but it's not going to move them up in our rankings this year. Whereas in future years, hopefully when it's more of a national championship feel, it'll kind of shape our top 10. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Jordan, are you a little bit surprised Liberty, New, uh, Nevada didn't make it? They obviously beat. Gorman in the final game, they obviously lost to Gorman three other times, but, you know, beating a team that would have came in right there with Calvary, maybe as the favorite or even, even, you know, that could have been a monster championship game. Uh, are you, are you a little surprised that Liberty didn't get a nod? 
I'm a little bit surprised, but I can't say I'm shocked. Uh, the thing about Liberty is they had a great season. Um, they have some good wins over Oak Cliff, um, who won in Texas, uh, 4A. They have uh, they they played um, some some you know a good schedule yeah. and everything. Sure, but my sure. my thing with Liberty is Georgia 7A is so hard to win. I mean it's it's one of the toughest sure. states to win, and I think that's where the event wanted to reward the Georgia champion. Um, so like, am I surprised? I'm moderately surprised Liberty didn't make it, but I can't say I'm shocked. I mean, I think sure. there's a good debate for. Norcross above them uh, because of, like I said, it's a grind to win that. Yes, they beat Bishop Gorman, but they also lost to Bishop Gorman the previous three times. So um, I think that has something to do with it too. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I mean, I just feel like um, avenging that win was awesome in the state championship game, but Georgia is a grind all, every round. It's not just the state right. championship in Nevada. Yeah. You know, it's right. it's <laughs> a grind. I mean, that, that's what I think of it, and uh, so yeah, moderately surprised, but not not a shock. Gotcha. Were there any teams just in your uh, rankings from the public school standpoint, or the teams that compete for a state championship that kind of surprised you, or just you know, I won't say overachieved, but just you 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 didn't think would be in your top fifty this year? Uh, well, okay. There's a few teams. I mean, Glenbard West. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. they were so impressive all season. I mean, they just spanked everyone they played. I mean. To me, even the Sierra Canyon game was surprising. It was a surprising result to me because if you watch Sierra Canyon play all season, as I know, uh, you know, it's in Ronnie's backyard. So uh, <laughs> they, that was their, to me, that was their best game of the season. They, they didn't play that well in any other game all season. I mean, maybe I mean, maybe I just missed the games that they played. For, but I thought that they really, uh, even Amari Bailey on the biggest stage, he played at the highest level. And I thought that was the difference. Yeah. Uh, whereas if I think if they play 10 times, I think Glenbard West wins that game seven or eight times. I just think the stage, wow. yeah. I, I just don't think that they were prepared for that level of a stage on the high school scene where Sierra Canyon's used to playing in that, uh, atmosphere. So, um, I think they're the team that really stood out. Um, another team that surprised me was Weddington who yeah. went undefeated this year. Um, I actually saw them live this year and when I saw them live, I, they didn't – I wouldn't say they were, like, super off the charts impressive from an eye, eye, uh, eye test standpoint. Sure. But as they progressed late in the postseason, they beat some really good teams, and they really showed that they're uh, one of the better teams in the country, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. I mean, for them to finish uh, 31-0, and 0, you know, in a good state against pretty good competition, that, that was definitely very impressive. Let's talk a little bit about Geico before we let you go, Jordan. You know, this year, uh, like you said, it's balanced. The teams are good. The teams are really talented. Like you said, probably more talented than most of the public or uh, state champions that are associated with the NFHS. You know, what do you make of the field? And is there a prohibitive favorite? You just think it's balanced? Is it is it as wide open as a field as you've ever seen? Sorry, uh, I, I missed the last thing you said. Yeah, is it as wide open the last uh, field? Is it as wide open as you've ever uh, seen it? Yeah, is Geico National wide open? Yes, one hundred percent. That that question is is not even up for debate. It's as wide open as I've ever seen it, and 
when I talk to people, I say, I think there's five to six teams that have a, a legitimate chance at winning it this year. And usually it's one or two teams. This year it's five or six. I mean, if you look down the field, you have Sunrise is obviously a slight favorite. Um, but, I mean, they're, they're in by no means a heavy favorite. Uh, you got IMG, who's just loaded. Montverde. AZ Compass has an outside shot. I mean, I know they haven't looked the best in games against top competition, but they really have the talent. They could put it together. And Link Academy only has one loss. I really think Link Academy is a team to watch in this event. Wow. Yeah, and opening 4-5, Link against Oak Hill. You know, if they get by that game, you know, it's going to be their first game in the event. They can probably settle down and maybe even win the semifinal game, like you said. And then if you get to the final, who knows what, you know, it's a one-shot game. Who knows what could happen? You know, so yeah, and I did want to mention, I forgot to mention, man, Oak Hill. Yeah. And Steve Smith last year, man, they're on a roll. I think they have a serious shot. I mean, like yeah. you said, if they can whoever wins that link Oak Hill game has a serious shot. Uh and I really mean that. I mean, I think that's gonna be probably the best first round matchup. But I mean, there's no bad first round matchup. No, not at all. Yeah, there, I we I agree with you there. You know, Link Oak Hill's a, a pick'em game and if they can get on a roll, you know, it's very interesting. Like you said, they have a lot of incentive because it's Steve Smith's last year. But, you know, they looked you know, at times not good against AZ Compass. And right. then they just picked it up in the last, um, you know, month over the course of the month of the season. So we're with you there. So we'll see what shakes out. And we're we're looking forward, you know, to both events. I know you're looking forward to them, too. It, it, it gives you another week of rankings you have to do, but uh, you know at least it's better than not not doing. I guess having the work to do, Jordan. So we appreciate your time. Appreciate you, Jordan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate okay. you having me on. Okay, sure. appreciate. It. So, Ani, yeah, you know, I I think he's with us on that. As far as like Geico, just yeah, I I think Sunrise does deserve the benefit of the doubt. Maybe we're not giving it as much credit as they deserve. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, We're giving them like the NCAA one seed uh credit. Like you're a one seed, but you may be upset it early. <laughs> yeah, they're not like the one they're a one seed, but you're right, they're not the dominant one seed that everybody expects to just roll. And and but again, they split with Montverde. So, you right. know, that that that's hey, they 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 deserve it. They beat Link in a big game that me and you saw. So right. let's just go over the let's just go over that real quick so so our fans can uh, know what the matchups are. Um, it's number one Sunrise versus Prolific Prep. That's the one versus the eight. Mm-hmm. The game that we just talked about with Jordan uh, Link number four versus number eight in the Fab Fifty and f- five seed Oak Hill Academy. Again, they seeded Oak Hill a little higher. Again, I knocked Oak Hill for some of their losses. Right. They lost Greensboro Day. They split with Lalamere. Lalamir won the second one again. That game I saw live against AZ Compass Prep. They didn't look good at all, but they've really improved since then. And hopefully we'll have Steve Smith, Oak Hill coach on the show before Geico. And, you know, so there that's the four or five. But I do have Oak Hill a little lower in the rankings than their seeding. For again, I'm taking the whole season into account. And then the other side of the bracket is uh, Montverde's the number three. And they're also third seed, and they take no. play Arizona <clears throat> Prep. So that's the three six, and then the two seven is IMG and Lalamere. Now again, I have IMG number six, but that's because they have the two losses to Sunrise, the split, uh, whereas Sunrise has uh, a split with Montverde, 
and they have a, a split with Oak Hill again. So Oak Hills look good at really good at times. They got a split with IMG. So, you know, again, if you look at that, that's pretty wide open. So IMG takes on Lalamere, who also has a split with Oak Hill. So, you know, in my rankings, I have uh, Sunrise one, Duncanville still at number two, Montverde three. Again, they've lost to uh, IMG two times, but they split with Montverde, but they split with, with Sunrise. Link is four with the loss to Sunrise. Centennial, which is done with their season, California, uh, 33 and one, they're five. IMG comes in at six, Lalamere seven, and Oak Hill eight. And then Calvary is nine. As we know, Calvary's the favorite yeah. at the uh, state champion. At the state champion. So again, uh, Jordan's right. Calvary really, in essence, has nowhere to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> they can't go up. They can only really go stay the yeah. same or go down. <laughs> yeah, they, they can maybe jump up a spot if, of like, you know, uh, Lalamere or. Uh, 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 IMG, you know, doesn't do uh, do too well or something like that. But if you take the overall wins and losses, they're they're not going to move too much. So, right, yeah, you would, you know, that's why I say you. That's why I'm just like, is it interesting that Liberty didn't get in? I, I would think. I would again, thought they were going to get in. Yeah, if you think, and I agree with him on on Georgia. Georgia's harder to win than Nevada, but that's on the tradition and reputation. This year, I saw uh, the teams, some of the teams that. That that we're gonna advance in the seven A and like you know they're not as good as Calvary and they're not as good as Gorman so you know Liberty lost those three games maybe that's a big factor and and, and you know I did see some of those teams so Norcross right now I only have forty nine so let's go over that bracket real quick it's a smaller bracket yeah and um you know that bracket let me pull it up here you got Calvary at number nine versus Sidwell Friends. To me, that's a huge matchup, and that's one versus 14 for me. Mm-hmm. So the other matchup is two lower-ranked teams, uh, Auburn and Norcross. And I have Auburn uh, a little higher. I moved them up to 32. They have a split with Garfield and State, and they lost to Mount Spokane. And Norcross, you know, Norcross lost to Brentwood Academy in Tennessee. They only beat Burkmar one of four. They split with Newton, Westlake. So they're 26 and six. They weren't super dominant, but they did win that state title. So that's both those games are on ESPNU on April 7th, uh, starting at four o'clock Eastern. Uh, you know, just to let you know, uh, a final four weekend. Let me go over the time so people know about those to watch Geico. And I wanted just to get people an idea that when Geico is uh, the first round games are March 31st. And those are on ESPNU as well, starting at 12 p.m. Eastern. So it's pretty much all day. Between twelve and eight PM, so the, the that should be very interesting. Ani, you have any predictions? What, what do you? Let's start with state championship invitation. What do you think there? You think Calvary gets it done, or you think Sidwell friends can show what they're made of, or or do yeah. the other two teams have a chance? I like I like to go with the upset, so I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Sidwell with the upset, and they're gonna win it all. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, no, I I take the winner of Sidwell. Versus Calvary's gonna win it for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna win it. I, I you know, Auburn and and Norcross <clears throat> gonna have to step up. I think Norcross can step up. He's right. You know, Jordan was is right. I think Norcross can step up. Um, but I but, would love Liberty in there. I think if Liberty was in there, like it would make it very interesting. Like I yeah. think, I just think, let's say, and no offense, Norcross, they won a state t- title. They're really yeah. good. But you put Liberty right there in that game and. 
unless it's a Calvary Liberty uh, championship matchup or Sidwell and Liberty. Like, you know, like that's a, that's a little bigger matchup. Yeah. I think this puts more pressure on Calvary. Like they can't, they can't really lose. Right. 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 (laughs) Like there's a team that's played the national schedule. They beat some good teams. Like you mentioned Camden and some others, like they're, they're kind of were expecting to get into a Geico or if they didn't get in a Geico, if they split the event, they were kind of expecting to get into this new event. So, Sure. Yeah, they're, they're the top seed. They're the top dog, but they got a lot of pressure, just like some of these NCAA top seeds. Now, let's <laughs> jump over to Geico. I guess let's 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 uh, talk about each matchup a little bit. I, I think Sunrise will get by their first round matchup. Then we got Link Oak Hill. Uh, what do you think about Link and Oak Hill? Man, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, I just think Oak Hill is going to really come to play. Obviously, we know we've, we've talked about the Steve Smith last season. I just think they're going to come to play. Uh, even though they're like a very up and down team, I think we're going to see the good uh, yeah. Oak Hill team and uh, Link. I mean, they're just so big in the inside. They got a big size yeah. advantage. They really defend. Uh, I'm gonna go with Link. It's gonna be a one to two possession game there. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Oak Hill has the advantage of you know being there before. Sure. Uh, we did see that with Link and Sunrise where they kind of crumbled yeah. a little yeah. bit in the second half. Uh, yeah. But I think they've learned from it. Uh, I give Link the edge. I think it's going to be a one-two possession game. Yeah. And then yeah. That makes sense. And then you got NBA, Marbury, and Arizona Compass Prep. I do think, uh, you know, they kind of developed a little rivalry. They didn't really like each other last year at all. <laughs> right. you know, with with what, what happened there, you know, with uh, Deron Holmes leaving and he's going to, you know, that. And then, you know, Ty Ty hit a lot of it. Big shots. The Arizona Compass was really good last year. They're not quite as good this year, right. but they've had played good and at times very good. They've looked very good. And other times they against the top teams, they kind of look okay. Uh, if there's going to be an upset, I don't. I think it's going to be that one. I think a- AZ could move on, but I, I do think Monterey give them a slight edge and they'll win. But I, if that's my upset special, watch for AZ Compass to really have a good game. And then IMG Lalamir, I think IMG will will. Uh, Will will advance. They played. They had a great game be, during this regular season. We saw that game. Keontae George right. went pretty nuts. But I, I think um, IMG will advance. And then I thought know, Lalu played like one of the probably one of the best games of their season against IMG. It's yeah, just I don't know good. if they can duplicate that. You know, they're a really good team. I just don't know if they can duplicate that. Yeah, yeah. I'll take uh, I'll take uh, you know, IMG to advance. And then you got Sun Sunrise versus Link. You know that, that again. That's a rematch of a game already played, and then you got, you know, let's say Montvert versus IMG, which is always a war. You know, those teams are know each other so well; they can go back and forth. You know, uh, IMG has beat them, as I mentioned. IMG has beat them, I believe, twice. Yeah, IMG's beat them, yeah. beat them twice. So, you know, the, anything can happen here. Uh, we'll we'll get into it a little bit more about what you know. We'll we'll predict our our winner next week will we'll try to get Steve Smith on the line is like you said, they have a lot of incentive for the last year of their of of um you know him being their coach and after 37 years and him kind of being a uh, one of the forerunners of National Academy basketball and then it's it's progressed so much. We want to talk to him a little bit about that. But you know this event is now taking on you know it's been around 12, 13 years. 13 going on 14 actually, but it's, it's continues to get better in terms of the matchups. You know, there was, as our guest uh, 
Rashid Ghazi said a few weeks ago, some of those early round matchups on earlier weren't very good. Right. You know, it's a lot better. Or any one of those four, because I mean, we're just picking them kind of like this NCAA tournament. Anything <laughs> are pretty good. Like, we should have like a warning label that just says, hey, look, yeah. you know, anybody can win. Our predictions could be completely yeah. off. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think, off. yeah, exactly. Like, and, and that's for Geico. I think for state champions invitational, like, Calvary's not going to want to lose. Like, we, I know we keep going back to that. Gonna... <laughs> so, I'll pull up with upset. Yeah, Sidwell Friends has got really nothing to lose. It's like the other three teams have nothing to lose. You know what I mean? Right. And right. Calvary's kind of wants to show they're one of the best teams in the country. And, and they have proved they're one of the best teams in the country, and they're playing pretty well. So we'll see how that layoff also affects these teams. I think the academy teams are a little bit more used to it. You know, they kind of been there before having a break. It's almost like two seasons. So we'll see what the state's champions, how they have, that layoff affects them. You know, how much were they practicing? You know, how many weeks were they practicing going in? So we'll we'll, uh, we'll see how that plays out. But let's jump over to our main in the paint topic, which is obviously the NCAA tournament. Ooh. Again, you know, they're, they're kind of like they we're in the Sweet 16. So much happened. Like you said, Ani, I think we were pretty good with some of the things we mentioned. Uh, you know, it's the big thing we – we talked about, and let's just first talk about the thing that's on everybody's mind is <coughs> the officiating, officiating. It got a lot of attention, especially in that UNC Baylor and yeah. Arizona TCU game, Ani. Um, you know, is this a recurring problem that can be fixed or is it just part of the game and, and, and you know, the team's kind of, ex you know, it's college officiating could be bad. You, do you think there's something that needs to be fixed there or is that, you know, that that's just part of the game. Yeah, I think it's just part of the game. That UNC Baylor game, uh, it wasn't good. Uh, Manic was getting ejected. Uh, there were some very questionable calls. Um, in that situation, I think the easy solution is, make, is getting three new refs <laughs> on that situation. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think some of the other games, like Arizona, TCU, there were some questionable calls, but it was a physical matchup. I mean, um, I thought that was just, you know, what you're seeing is obviously like college referees, but you're also letting them see them play a little bit as far as yeah. just like, it's like playoff basketball, you know, and the yeah. NBA playoffs, you know, they let more stuff go. I thought I was seeing that sometimes it's not as consistent as you would like, but uh, I thought the TCU, even though, you know, we've down here, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're rooting for TCU. So, yeah. uh, but, you know, I thought, you know, at the end, I know they won the foul on Mike, with Mike, Mike, you know, when he came off that ball screen. But I think you just let that go. I think you yeah. let that go with like four seconds left. I don't think you called yeah. that. But, uh, yeah, I just think it's just part of the game. I thought the Baylor-UNC game, it, was, it wasn't was good. And No, that was uh, that was bad at South. That was a lot worse than TCU-Arizona. For sure. And, you know, if Baylor would have won, it would have been <laughs> zoomed in even further. Like, it would have been – it would look even worse. Yeah. Uh, but you know, UNC won, but I just think those referees don't need to officiate another, uh, yeah. call it, you know, March Madness this, 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 this season. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you again. I don't think there's a big fix that needs to transpire. I mean, they're the best refs that are available. I'm assuming right. they're better than refs that are not refing the tournament. <laughs> right, right. Refs, right? I mean, oh, I'll well, give you started with high school refs. <laughs> yeah. They're supposed to be better than high school refs. Like it's, it's just like I said, I was telling somebody, I think, on social media, like, there's a reason why a lot of 
college March Madness players don't play in the NBA. Like, you watch the games. If you're a big NBA fan, you're like, hey, some of these games are not very good. Yes, it's college. Like, right. Like, yes, they're not as good. You know, like, yeah, I, I just think the pageantry, the unpredictability, the emotion, the raw emotion is way better than the average NBA game. But that's why it's one of the first weekend, the first weekend I was here in Vegas. It was, you know, it was it was a buzz around town about every, you know, every game. But the first weekend is very great because of, the amount of games, you know, there's just right. so many games going on. There's a lot of good ones and you're right. It, it, it there's no, no notes to be big fix. I just think we have instant replay and, and people are so much, people are tuned in. There's so much attention. Everybody's reacting in real time on Twitter. So that's what we get. You know, it's, right. it's, it's such a great social media. I just think, Twitter and or social media is that good. It's not the refs are that bad. The refs have always been. It's just that we can react to it so fast. I will say this. It was kind of interesting. Miami versus USC. And also, I'll go back to TCU and Arizona. Is In Miami versus USC, there was a big call on the sidelines that could have affected the game. And they didn't show the replay. But they showed Coach K coming into the building and like he was with his wife <laughs> really like, whoa, 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 guys show the replay like yeah i get it coach k is gonna go to the locker room and, and shake hands and and hang out with people but like show the replay that's what i noticed i mean you got million dollar production and then obviously uh dalen terry gets the turnover he sprints to the basket the shot doesn't count it's like he's trying to put it in he doesn't want to miss it, but he wants to dunk it because that's an easy shot. But then the first thing I thought is show the replay. Show the replay. Right. Was it a foul? Was it uh did he did he did he uh did he flop a little bit? We only saw it later until after we knew that the that's a good point. The basket didn't count. And, uh, they could have went to that replay. It was obviously a no, the shot didn't count, so they had many of time to show it. They didn't show it. So then you had to go to Twitter or whatever to go watch the replay and then people have a million opinions but i want to hear a professional opinion on my tv right like right so that's that's one thing i i kind of notice about that they don't want to show certain things and and uh you know yeah i couldn't believe that baylor some of the calls i, I said okay that's gonna be another charge i already called it on a few i called him i said charge coming up right here it's going the other yeah. way baylor ball <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was obvious like but I, were you Ani, were you surprised that north carolina didn't see that a little further that they were trying to get Baycoat out of the game. Like, they were trying to bait him into getting into a scrum or, like, getting right. to a couple more fouls or even kicked out because that's the way they figured they were going to get back in the game to just, you know, kind of muck it up, slow it down. I mean, if 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 North Carolina loses Baycoat to some, you know, tangling the legs, that favors Baylor big time. Right, right, right. Because Baycoat was killing. Uh, he's yeah. been killing this tournament. Yeah, I seen Baylor kind of do that uh, yeah. during the season, you know, when – when they're when they're down, obviously yeah. haven't seen them down twenty five, but uh, they they get it, they make it more, they get real physical, they get more grittier, you know, they like to muddy the water some. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I mean, UNC, I think um, a little surprised I didn't see that coming because Baylor has kind of showed that uh yeah. this season, but um, you know, and then for them to come back twenty five, I mean, yeah, they just try to get they try to get in their head at that point, especially yeah, Baycon, they were trying to get him out the game because yeah. they really didn't have an answer for him. Uh, no, they didn't and, have an answer from on the block. No. Yeah, and so like it didn't surprise me. I knew they were going to pick up the intensity, and yeah. 
yeah, you know, and then got the overtime. And when it got the overtime, I'm like, oh, man, shit, Baylor going to win this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. North Carolina you know. kind of won the game twice. Right. Game. Real like, talk. And yeah, then you yeah. see Scott Drew, uh, and, and when it go to overtime, he put his hand over his face like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to see he didn't want to see the game. He was about done with it. Uh, oh man, so. yeah, that's, that's very interesting. But I think we have our, our next guest, uh Justin Young of Hoop Scene. Uh he wanna talk a little bit about the tournament, talk a little bit about you know recruiting and, and the spring coming up, which is coming up really fast. Doesn't seem like it because the high school season keeps rolling along and we're still going but uh, let's let's bring in justin and see if we have him here justin are you here what's up guys we're good yeah, justin appreciate I'm it i'm great appreciate man i'm like looking at my bracket here and you guys talk i'm like man i'm i think i'm a genius because my bracket's still real healthy wow that's awesome one of my brackets is healthy i did one the, of them, uh, you can only have one man I, I did 10 i did 10 on espn it was yeah. the one where i did the random pick so i don't like but it's like on the 95 percentile so i was like you know that's like dating 10 girls at once and saying eventually one will be my wife that i like yeah that's what you do it i mean when I, in my early 20 when i was 21 22 is that what you do <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if i had that kind of patience in my life yeah, yeah. So, uh, Justin, speaking of uh, patience, like you said, you 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 took some diligent time to look over the brackets and 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 find out where these kids are from, which we're going to get into a little yeah. bit. But talk a little bit about your bracket. Yeah, what where where did you get it right? What did you hit on? What you know? Talk a little bit about your bracket. Yeah, I mean, I I think part of it, and like you said, we'll get into it. To me, this year was always about who's got the guys that have, that have the experience. Right. And so I think yeah. what we start to see Kentucky is a great example. Those guys are incredible players, incredible prospects, yeah. but man, yeah. they haven't been punched in the mouth a lot. Right. Yeah. So you get a team like St. Peter's man, they're just throwing haymakers. Okay. They're like, we live to box. Right. So yeah. I think you start to look at teams like Providence. You look at a team like Miami, you look at some of these teams, right. Yeah. They have some dudes that have some toughness to them that have some skin in the game that have played 80 plus 90 plus games in college, man, yeah. I'm going to align myself with those guys a yeah. lot more than a guy that maybe hasn't his, maybe his best moment up to this point may have been a state title game or a shoe championship game. Like, man, I want some dudes that have been on the road that have gone through the toughness of the last couple of years. And I think we're starting to see that now with these teams, right. In the bracket, yeah. these guys have some thick skin and some experience and some skin in the game. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Um, you know what we talked a little bit about before you got on, and you might have heard a little bit. Is the officiating as huge a problem as it's been made out to be, or is there just you know simply more eyeballs and people have quick reactions? On well, I, I've always been an anti-ref guy, so I'm like the refs are bad every single game, man. So yeah. I do have an issue though when the yeah. letter of the law supersedes the spirit of the law, and I think most coaches feel that same way. Where I mean, I, I'm sure you guys probably talked about the Illinois incidents. Like, man, come on, dude. Have y'all not refed your whole life to know that this is part of the game? Like, is it really that big of a deal? I also get annoyed with like who I think I saw a coach say like on Twitter, like, who determines like what kind of shirt you can wear under your jersey? Like just little dumb stuff. You're like, dude, yeah. just yeah. let the guys hoop. Okay. Yeah. Like yes. literally, like, like just let the guys go hoop. Like, let's stop getting so deep into the weeds with the rules. Uh, I'm, I'm, if you haven't gathered, I'm very much a spirit of the law guy. So yeah, I, I never really liked the officiating no matter how good it is. So do, do you think, because it was brought up, uh, you know, at post games in uh rest getting interviewed. I mean, it was kind of brought up as an idea. The potential. No, I think the refs should like literally like, I actually hate that we have broadcasts 
that explained why they made the call because they're never going to throw their guy under the bus. Like, yeah. let's remove that element out of it altogether and let the game be about the 10 guys that are on the floor. Like, I, I'm, I mean, I'm so anti-ref everything. I don't want to hear from them. Like, a, the best kind of ref should be the kind that you don't even talk yeah. about. Correct. It's kind of like yeah, an yeah. offensive lineman. If you never mention him, that means he's doing his job. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I understand that that angle. Um, yeah, it's 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 I think it's it's always been like that. I always tell people who who know me and who talk to me about college basketball, like the 01 Duke Arizona game championship game was atrocious refereeing. And like ever since then, nothing surprising me, which is that was was kind of was interesting to me. Everybody was going crazy about Arizona TCU, and I was like, "Did you guys just not see Baylor UNC the day before? Yeah. What are you surprised right. about?" Yeah. Right. I, I didn't understand that. Oh my God, this is so horrible. That was a foul on the trap. It's like, guys, did you not watch the game twenty four hours ago? So I'm kind of with well, you there, Justin. I I don't want to overdwell on them. You have know? you guys ever been to a travel team event where there's a ref clinic going on, where these guys that, that ref collegiately that are trying to level up, like? Like we we host a couple of events where there's a there's a couple of large ones, and I'm not trying to discount their job. Listen, I would never in a trillion years want to be a referee. One hundred percent. So like, much respect to you because that is not the lane that I ever want to drive in ever. I'd rather go serve life in prison than put on stripes and put a whistle in my mouth. There's no way I'd ever want to touch that. That being said, like when you go to these clinics and you hear it, man, it is robotic and it is one hundred percent non-human element. And they can say that that it is. I just it, it, they're t- the way that they're taught and they're instructed, it is 100% robotic and there takes out this hill- human element. And like, if I'm a coach, I'd be like, dude, I'm just trying to talk to you. I'm just trying to have a conversation with you. And like sure. the, the, the disrespect, at least that's my perception in like the, the hand, it's like, dude, I'm just trying to have a conversation. And sure. so for me, like, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to hear about any of it. I just want to watch the guys that have worked their butts off their entire life go compete. Cause that's why we're there. And for me, that's how I'm always going to stay in that lane. Always. Sorry, refs. I got friends that are refs, but I, I'm sorry. I'm a player's guy. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I'm not as staunch on the rest about you, but I prefer them just do their job and let's not focus. Life on in prison people. doesn't sound better than wearing stripes and <laughs> putting a whistle in your mouth. Whatever, dude. dude. Suit yourself. Man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you, Justin. That, and you make a point. Um, you know, let's talk about what top two seeds are you surprised are not surprised got knocked off. Like which well, are, you know, are any of the top two seeds that have already lost? Or yeah. Kentucky. I mean, I mentioned them. I, Kentucky yeah. ultra talented, but again, like, yeah, it's tough, man. That, that, that's a tough job. And I do have to wonder is the magic and the allure of the coach Cal era of Kentucky starting to kind of come back down to earth now. Right. Like, right. And, and it's just so hard. <clears throat> it's so hard year in and year out. And like, the sustainability of elite is so hard to do when you go year to year to year. Okay. You can't constantly keep flipping houses, right? Your margins are eventually going to kind of come back down to earth a little bit. And so I'm not super surprised about that with Kentucky, them losing now. Am I surprised they lost to St. Peter's? Sure. I think everybody is right. Sure. But I'm not surprised that a team that was so young um, was, was so uh, out of it right out of the gate. So that team didn't really surprise me all that much. You know, Auburn, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I really like Auburn a lot. I mean, how can you not like Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler? But we knew that guard play would kind of catch up to him a little bit, and I think it did. Yeah. It's not surprising, but I think that's more of a credit to how good Miami is. I think Miami's incredibly talented. They're, to me, they're one of the best offensive teams there is in the country. 
And I think that's more of a credit to how good Miami was as opposed to what what Auburn didn't do. But, I mean, that's just the nature of where the, where the tournament is now. Like, if you aren't picking your bracket, like what we've seen over the last couple of years, and to think that Loyola Chicago can get to the Final Four or Oral Roberts can jack up your bracket, you're, you're living in a world of 1950 basketball because the game is so leveled out now that we yeah. shouldn't be shocked that these types of teams are winning on a regular basis because the gap, guys, to me is so small. It's so small. Yeah, 100%. Speaking of Kentucky, you know, it's interesting. They kind of took the route this year getting, you know, obviously getting to the portal like Kellen Grady, Xavier Wheeler, Osher Sweeve, and taking older guys compared to sure. normally when they take younger guys. Um, and, you know, and the result was a, as a first round, uh, you know, upset. Where do you think Kentucky kind of goes next? Obviously, we're talking about the tournament, like, but what direction do they go young? Do they stay with the older guys? Or, well, know, what do you that's a great question. I mean, like part of the research that I like to do every year with the tournament is how do rosters get created? I mean, everybody's got a different style, right? Like you can mm-hmm. drive through any neighborhood in America and go, okay, there's all these different types of homes and everybody likes what they like. And so I think when you look at rosters, like look at Purdue, like primarily in state, I think they may have one transfer or no transfers. Like that's the way they like to do it. And like, we always know that Matt, Pay- Matt Painter is going to have like a seven foot nine guy in the middle every single year <laughs> on his team. Right. So like that's work for them. So for Kentucky, I mean, you know, this transfer notion is really interesting. Like Kellen Grady, tremendous in his level that he came from, right? Severe Wheeler, tremendous in the role that he came from at Georgia. Georgia's not Kentucky. That's no disrespect, but that's a different role that you're playing at a program like Georgia as opposed to Kentucky. The transfers to me are the stopgap player, and I think this is really going to be the most interesting. When we look back 20 years from now, we band-aid and we, we kind of scotch tape rosters together because guys couldn't go out and recruit high school players and couldn't really evaluate, couldn't really get to know players, right? Sure. So now when you when you put that together, well, and I don't know Severe Wheeler and, and, and Kellen Gray's relationship. I'm sure it's fine. But, like, how does that mesh together where you've got two alpha males, right, in their 20s that have been around, that understand the game? How do they gel really well together? I don't know. I don't know the direction I would go. If I'm Kentucky, I'm like, yo, I'm Kentucky. I'm going to go out every single year and go pick up four or five Mercedes. I'm going to park them in the parking lot. I'm going to see what I can do. Right. Like they were running with a lot of Honda Accords and that's totally fine. Honda Accords, a great car. I drive one, but like they can't, that's Kentucky. You know what I'm saying? They got a different type of garage than most people, you know? Yeah. 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 No no doubt. No doubt. Uh, Justin, let's, let's talk about um, coaching a little bit besides Shaheen Holloway. Because we already talked about that and, and sure. what a job he's done. What coach do you think has done the best jobs in this tournament? Ed Cooley, so Ed Cooley man. <laughs> yeah. Ed Cooley, all day. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd play for that guy. I'd run through a wall for that guy. I would believe that guy. I think yeah. that – I think Providence, for me, I have him in my Final Four. I really do. And so, for me, yeah. like, I believe in that team. I believe, like, Providence, they just consistently get better. They keep stacking up. And when I talked about earlier about sustainable success, like to me, Ed Cooley understands that. And he's been able to put that together with his roster. And they have a bunch of guys that fit their style. So, like, for me, like, I think Ed Cooley has done a tremendous job. I think you got to put Juwan Howard from Michigan in that same place. Like, they've won handedly two games in a row. And yeah. they beat some really good teams along the way. So, I think Juwan Howard needs to get way more credit than probably he's getting um, at to okay. this point. Because to me, like, there's something to be said about everything they've gone through and the type of basketball they're playing against the type of teams that they're playing right now. I think Jawan Howard needs way more credit for the type of coach that he's been and the X's and O's guy that he is. And it's hard to argue, again, with Matt McMahon. Obviously, he parlayed what he's done at Murray State. Again, sustainable success. 
and parlay that into LSU, which, by the way, I think he's about to build an absolute freaking monster in Baton Rouge because he takes that same style of play. But to me, those were the three, like, when I really scale it back. Um, obviously, Shaheen Holloway is is, is yeah. sitting on the on the throne. But, yeah, those three guys, I think, deserve right. a little bit more credit than than maybe they're getting. Maybe they're getting a lot. I don't know. But at least for me, that's. Sure. Yeah, I really like Providence. They play so hard. Oh, my gosh. Um, they play so hard. And, you know, they don't have anybody that, you know, normally these teams, you know, they have a guy that's like uh, going to be a lottery pick or a first round guy or something like that. They just got guys that just a compilation of guys that just play so hard and they mesh well together. And like you said, I have them. I actually predict them in the lead eight. Uh, I can definitely see them in the final four and even potentially winning it. I mean, they just gel that well as a team. I mean, wow. you to me, there's them. a little bit of a flavor. They don't mean to your point. They don't have a lot of star power, like say like Villanova, but Villanova was a super tight knit. They played together. Yeah. They were totally unselfish. There's a flavor very similar to me, the way that Providence plays for the type of success. That I think Jay Wright's been able to be able to get out of this team at Nova over the, over those, you know, what last decade or so. Yeah. For sure. Now let's move on to the players, Justin. Um, sure. You know, we talk about coaching stock. Which two players you think have improved their NBA stock the most in in the first, you know, two games? Which what have you seen? Which two players you like? Question, I've seen a lot of guys that haven't improved, <laughs> but which two guys have? That's it. That's the great separator, right? I think yeah, more yeah. guys go down than they go up. Sure. I I and maybe I'm biased because I live out here in Arizona now, but Ben Matherin, dude, like yeah, like yeah. to me, like. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was I was really giving this a lot of thought this morning. Okay, I got yeah. up early. Like I, I love these types of questions. I like wrote all these yeah. names and I kept scratching them off. Yeah, but Ben Matherin reminds me, and I think people under, need to need to understand the context of what I say this to. He reminds me of pre-injury Vic Oladipo, like super high mm-hmm. contract Vic Oladipo, freak athlete, big shot yeah. maker, confidence as big as the state of Texas, right? Like sure. unbelievable player, and yeah. I. And I know, like, that's like, oh, wow, great pick, right? You picked the Pac-12 player of the year on the number one team in the country. But but to me, like, when you look at the improving their stock, that gap after Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro, and Chet Holmgren and, like, that group, Ben yeah. Matherin, or do you take a guy like Jaden Hardy, right? Like, you know, like, yeah. that's the type of stuff that you're looking at. I'm I'm moving all of my stock into the Ben Matherin zone where he, to me, yeah. could argue that you, he could pick maybe even in the top three. Again, Think about Vic Oladipo before he got hurt. That dude, people were getting ready to pay that guy the bank, right? The bank. Yeah. So he reminds me a lot of that same type of player, and he may be better than that. But to me, I think that's the number one and number two answer for me in this category, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I would definitely agree with that with Ben Matherin. I mean, like you said, a lot of guys went down that you saw that were projected, you know, top 10 lottery, late lottery, you know, first round that, hey, you know, you don't even know what the situation is. Like, you know, Ty Ty Washington didn't really have the best sure. showings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Ben Mather really kind of separated himself as a guy that you didn't know was like a top 10 late lottery. I think he started creeping to that. Like I started yeah. seeing people talk about maybe a potential top five, top six, seven guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but how can um, he not be? You know what I mean? Like, right, right. I think that well, narrative that, grows even further after this weekend, too. You know, yeah, like, I yeah, think it just could. stacks on top of each other. You know what? I did forget. I did have one more guy on my list, but again, he was like number three because Ben had number one and two. I think Tevin Brown and Murray State, like, if you're looking for a deep cut, there's always the guy that's drafted between 20 and 30 every year that sticks in the NBA historically. Sure. Go look it up. I think yeah. Tevin Brown could be that, or a guy that's in the second round. There's always three or four players every year in the second round that stick. I think Tevin Brown out of Murray State could be that type of guy as well. Big guard, can really shoot it, sustain success at the collegiate level, well-coached, 
never never transferred like the core of the of the ingredients that of guys that are professionals and the way they handle themselves and what they bring to the table and how you stay on the floor. I think Tevin Brown out of Murray State is also one of those players uh, that if you're looking for a deep cut, if you're looking for a B side, Tevin Brown's your guy. Yeah. No. Now that's a that was a great two picks. I, I do like Matthew, and I kind of mentioned that uh, I tweeted out. I said I tweeted it out and to see if anybody would say anything. It says how many picks is Matherin going to go too low? <laughs> like I already know because I I was on the board with you just I. He's looking now in the, you know, the four to six range instead of yeah. six, six to 11, you know, like somebody's going to mess up and, and pass on him, but who's it going to well, be? Yeah. I mean, given how many picks Oklahoma, like, let's just say he's going to be a, well, be a thunder. Cause they've got like seven of the lottery picks. So like, <laughs> right. there, no matter what, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, Justin, you did some homework, uh, players in the dance where they're from. Uh, you 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 put it out there on social media. You 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 did some great research, and that's what you like to do with the tournament. Um, you did some research on where high school players hail from, from all the teams. Just give us a high of what you found. You know anything that's surprising, and let people know what you did. Well, yeah. So Texas. I mean, you're, you're Ronnie. You're kind of cornered, right? So like, you've got two Texans. Like I grew up in Dallas, so you got you got two Texans that are you know trapping you right now in in the corner. Sure. Okay, and you're also yeah. a Cali guy, so. Between those two states, Texas had 87 players in the tournament, okay? That that by far leads in California. Now, no shocker, Texas and California are what? Are also the two biggest states. Right. But right. when you start to really scale that down, Houston, I think, had 26 or 27 players in the tournament, which is a really amazing number. Wow. And so I think a lot of it has to do with the fact, like, who made the tournament, okay? So Correct. out of the top five states every year, year in and year out, Georgia and Florida are also in there. There are only two teams from both of those states that made the entire tournament, Georgia State and Miami. That's amazing. Wow. So Florida had 30 players in the tournament. We're talking Florida. They produce yeah. now, granted, the prep schools and stuff kind of uh, inflates that number. They're producing yeah. over 80 Division One players on an annual basis. They only have 30 players in the NCAA tournament. So that, that surprised me. What surprised yeah. me, and maybe I'm just biased in a way because I'm not a Midwest guy. I've never lived in the Midwest. I don't have, like, if there's an area in the country where I'm probably not as knowledgeable, it's always the Midwest. But okay. between – Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Iowa, like that corridor was a yeah. huge chunk of the NCAA tournament. And if you started to look at the bracket, you started to see all those teams that made it. The Big Ten was so strong. You know, Creighton right. obviously was really strong. You start to look at the teams that made the tournament. Um, and then you look at, you know, who, who where they go recruit and what the recruiting base is. That to me was the part that really stood out. Maybe I didn't give enough credit to. Um, and those are guys that, you know, his by the data that I pulled through, those are the guys that actually stayed the longest and didn't transfer a lot. So I think there was some some interesting value that you found with sustainability and guys that stay the course at where they're at. So um, to me, that was the big thing. But yeah, I mean, shout out to the city of Houston, man. Like they are deep in this tournament. I think 27 players, I think, from Houston. And then LA was right, wow. right behind too. So again, two of the biggest cities in the country, not that big of a surprise. Um, you know, there was one that I actually wrote down. There were, there were eight players from the city of London which to me was amazing. Like I never think of European players and London wow. never comes to mind, but wow. there are eight players from the city of London that are playing the NCAA tournament. Again, massive city, 10 million people, but uh, I, I don't, don't think London ever comes to any of our mind as a place that uh, pumps out a bunch of high level players. So you, t you talked about Purdue ha uh, recruiting mainly in state. Uh, is there any other teams that are still around that have like a lot more in state guys or is that just, yeah, uh, Good question. So obviously like Houston was one of those teams that they primarily kept now that they may get them on the bounce back. 
Uh, but again, there's so much talent that's there. And if you've talked to their staff, they're like, why would we recruit outside of our state? Like we've got so many dudes. So like, that's one of them. Uh, Georgia state was primarily another one. They all, again, a lot of bounce back guys coming back to Atlanta. Right. Um, those were the two outside of Purdue that I think recruited the most. Now, um, you'd be surprised, too, on, like, I think it was UCLA actually, I think, had 10 players from California. Um, just thinking off the top of my head. But it was it was shockingly not as much as I thought it would be, uh, especially for the high majors. I mean, they're going wherever. And, again, I think it goes back to the way that everybody kind of scotch taped their roster back together. They were just trying to get dudes really, really late. You yeah. know, let me ask you guys a question. Who is the best transfer still playing in the tournament? Is it is it is it is it more for Miami? The Maybe. Yeah, I mean, right. right. Yeah. Like he's he must have transferred from, earlier from yeah, Oklahoma, yeah. but he, you know, he transferred. So when you start to think about the transfers, I was thinking about this, right? Like I started yeah. to look through it. Now there was over a thousand players, um, or over thirteen hundred players. I think it was two hundred eighty were transfers. I started to think about like who really plays a huge role. Walker Kessler for Auburn. Like a like yeah. a legit starter. When I started to think about it, I was like, man, that, you're right. Charlie Moore was a guy that yeah. kind of was just like he's just kind of like the free agent that gets signed in the playoffs in the NBA. Correct. Like, Correct. oh, he plays for them now. Damn, he's played for like eight teams. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> right. That's just and killing like, you. Yeah, he, like you said, he has experience. You yeah. know, regardless of how talented he is individually, he has experience, and his strength was Auburn's weakness. <laughs> so that was like, it. Yeah. But my yeah. point was like with the transfers is like, are they good enough to change the dynamic of your team to put you into the second weekend? Yeah. And I would argue that no, all that it is, it's a stopgap on your roster. That's yeah. all that it is. And historically speaking, the big dogs are also not the guys that win the tournament. The J Wright model for what we've seen at Villanova, where you can still develop and cultivate pros or Virginia, yeah. like DeAndre Hunter, or all the guys that Jay Wright's had at Villanova. To me, that's the model where you have to find the right level guy, the maybe the 60 to seven or the, the, the 30 to 75 ranked player that sure. you get in within your program, you cultivate and you get him better through development where he's not leaving after one year. That to me is the secret sauce of sustainable success and being competitive in college basketball because the one and done guys. They're not winning. They're not winning championships. No, no. And, and, and to your point, you got to give some credit to Sean Miller, where sure. whoever told him to bring in Christian Coloco. No doubt. <laughs> the guy's playing like I, I, he's so good right now. I I mean, look at his field goal percentage and he hasn't taken a bad shot since probably January. That's another right. one that stock is raised. Yeah. To right. Yeah, I totally agree. And, but yeah. you know what the secret sauce is to me? They have unbelievable developmental coaches on that roster. Yeah. Like, yeah. look at Gonzaga. I mean, like, when Tommy Lloyd was there, they developed yeah. so many good players that just yeah. kept getting better. You have – to me, that – and, like, I'll, I'll hang my career on that. You've got to find those players between that 35 and 75 range, cultivate and develop them, and make them better. You have to. Yeah, and that's what Tommy Lloyd is doing, like you said, with his staff. Yeah. TJ Benson and, and, and those guys, yep. um, they've done a great job. I, I mean, I want, you know, like, you know, Christian Coloco was in my neck of the woods. Yeah. I, I, he, did I think he'd be playing like this for Arizona in, in, a, in a second weekend, going into the second weekend? No, but hey, they've done a great job. And he obviously has size and he obviously can move. So, you know. But the, that's, that's the beauty of the tournament, right? Like, yeah. 
it's like when we were in college and you went into this small club and you saw this band, you're like, man, I think that band was pretty good. Like five years later, you can't get away from them. They're on the radio everywhere you go. Like March Madness is that way. You're like, I cannot believe Coloco's that guy. Right. Yeah. That's the beauty of it, man. Like you just the right time, right place, right situation, only game on TV. The whole country's watching. East Coast is staying up late, paying for it the next morning because they had to watch this dude go to work in overtime. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Justin, you've talked about we've talked about the fifth and sixth year guys. We talked about the Charlie Moores at at Miami. So for recruiting for high school prospects, it, it may never be the same. I know you have a lot of experience in this. You've been around 20 years on the recruiting scene. What's next on the horizon for high school prospects? And will the transfer portal kind of remain as it is for the foreseeable future? Or do you see some 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 kind of breaking or something different happening? <clears throat> Great question. I mean, I think about that all the time, right? Obviously, yeah. in, the, in the business that I'm in, I don't yeah. talk to college coaches as much as I used to, you know. But again, I go back to this point. Yeah. Tell me a transfer that's made an impact for teams to get to the second weekend, right? Yeah. And I and I think t- NBA started to do this too, right? Like, oh my God, we got to find guys that hit corner threes. That's all the NBA is all about. We got to find guys at corner threes. Guess what? Steph Curry's a different animal, guys. Right. Okay. CJ McCollum ain't Steph Curry. Yeah. Okay? Correct. Like, like we can, like we can come up with all these things. JJ Redick, unbelievable player. He ain't Steph Curry, bro. So, like, the no. analytics may tell you one thing, like it's going to work. No doubt about it. It works. But to me, I think when you start to look at it, go, okay, what is my competitive advantage? Yeah. Again, I think you go back to that style that we're seeing, Providence. Well, who did they play all the time? They played Villanova. They saw them on the recruiting trail. Oh, what are they doing? How do they go win two titles? Okay, yeah. I need to think about that. So I think there's going to come back down to earth. Again, remember, guys, we didn't have college coaches in a, in a, in a gym for over a year, a year and a half to go out there yeah. and develop, Right. Correct. And so I think part of it. So what did we all do? I, I listen again, like you said, right. We've been doing this for over 20 years. I've never watched more film in my life than I have over the last three years. Okay. Sure. And I still got literal VHSs out in my storage unit for games from like 2002. Right. Like yeah. I've never watched more film. I'm going to get them from you. <laughs> Dude. I've got some bangers in there. I think it's like some absolute <laughs> bangers. I could probably sure. sell that like on the, on the side. Stuff, yeah. but, you need to start you know, some NFTs. That's what you <laughs> I know it'd be really grainy, man. It'd be really grainy. I'd be like the Banksy of the NFT basketball market, you know. That's um, but I, I think transfers do come back down to earth a little bit. Listen, the nature of the beast is I'm going to find something better somewhere else. Like, I don't think that's ever going to change. But I think yeah. the value of the type of transfer, I think when guys get back out there and they have a full recruiting season, that that that'll change. Okay, okay. that'll change again. Like to yeah. me, it's all. It's all what's the most popular thing, okay? okay? And like, you know, I I think there's an interesting point too. So Duke's going to go through a transition. Kentucky, I mean, how long will Calipari's thing last, right? You know, yeah. Kansas has pivoted a little bit on the way that they recruit now, right? UCLA is going to pivot the way they recruit. Like, I think when you take those blue bloods and how the, their their process it trickles down. But then you look at guys like like look at the sustainable success of Murray State, right? The whole time Matt McMahon's been there, he's been a 25-win kind of guy. Like, how do I replicate that? So I think high school guys are going to be recruited more, but I think there's going to have to be a little bit more pointed um, research, I think, on the collegiate level. How valuable is that transfer? Okay, just because you added a transfer, it's like, great, man. What is he going to do? You need a ninth guy in your rotation? No. <laughs> yeah. You know? That makes so, a lot of sense. 
I think it levels back down a little bit. It's like I the think, housing market, you know? Sure. Yeah, I think in like a year or two. I think 23 class still going to go through it some, but I think when 24s and 25s, I think it You're gets. right. Why? Because it's loaded. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There's loads. Yeah. Right. And I and I think it'll get back to somewhat of reality. Obviously, the one-time transfer thing is going to always, you know, it's not going to be completely the same, but I think we'll see more normalcy about that time. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a weird period of time, right? We've got the transfers. We've got no recruiting. Now we've got pro the G league. We've got overtime. We've got guys playing overseas in a country that I got to Google to figure out where it is. Like there's so many more options post high school or in high school that when you take that out of there, even taking 30 high level guys out of a top 100, I mean, that's, that's like a quarter of the inbound talent that, that affects college basketball. And Justin, I have this one question for you. Uh, I was thinking about it this morning, you know, the live period, you know, is always such a job. People get ready for the live period. Do event operators kind of take it, you know, because of the way recruiting is now, do event operators take a hit with the live period? You know, do as many coaches come in and watch or do, you know, what, Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the first weekend of April is always the toughest weekend because a number of things. Who's playing with who, okay? They all want to go find the best guys, right? So what happens? Everybody goes – every level goes and rushes to EYBL. I get it, man. EYBL is freaking loaded. Like, I'm I'm not trying to discredit that. You're still trying to figure out what you need. You're also still trying to figure out your current roster, right? Right. Yeah. And so – and on top of that, like, you've got a lot of regional events – um, to me, the first weekend is the hardest weekend to ever project because you never really know what's going to happen. Guys, I think, go back to what they're used to. You know, I think like, oh, I go to that every year. Right. But now, I mean, if you look at the approved list of events that first weekend, bro, like it is like you just throw a dart on the map. Like, I, I guess I'll go there. <laughs> so many events. So many know? events, like, yeah. Like we've got one in Atlanta. And what it is, it is a mid-major and lower – um, you know, still available. Like it's a really sweet spot. Tevin Brown, I'm biased. That dude killed it. And I mean, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many guys in the SEC. I'm like, yo, this guy Tevin Brown's really good. Yeah. You know, and like he is. But a lot of guys get so enamored with that shoe stuff. And I think when you look at the transfers, a lot of those guys are guys that were like playing that shoe stuff. When guys that are playing independence, we all know this. We've all been to independent events. You're like, yo, that guy's freaking good, right? Yeah. Like, look at Oral Roberts' roster last year, right? Like, dudes right. that just all – they're all independent all-stars, right, and killers. And we know 3D Empire. We see all these guys. And, like, you know, to me, that was the best independent team in the country, from my opinion, what I wow. saw. Guys. And I saw dudes that are going to wreck brackets for, for, for college. Like, I know it because I saw it, what they did against high-level guys. And so I think it's the toughest weekend, the first live period of April. But I also think if you're really, really good at evaluating talent – you win games in March two years from now for what you do in three weeks. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Did you put that one in the back of your mind? Like coach, you come back, you're recruiting me on Monday. I found a freaking dude. Nobody say a word. Don't call JY. Don't call any of the dot coms. Just hush. But we got a dude. We got a dude. For sure. A lot of what's going to be determined in the tournament in the next couple of years is going to happen in the next month or so. For sure. You're right about that. So Justin, as we let you go, just tell us, you know, the name of your event, where people can find out information about your event. Sure. Tell us your 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 Twitter handle and your website so people can find information yeah, about where you're running the library. I, I appreciate that. Our our big one this spring is going to be in Louisville. It's the Grassroots Showcase. It's the second live period. 
Okay. Uh, we're almost close to selling that out. We're going to have over 500 teams. We're going to put down almost 50 courts under one roof. It is basketball wow. Costco. Uh, we've got games at Freedom Hall, uh, which is pretty awesome. Last year we were there. It was not live. I remember telling a kid, I'm standing in the middle of Freedom Hall, and I was like, this is – like, I'm a, I'm a junkie, right? Like, I'm a yeah. junkie. Yeah. I told this kid who just happened to walk by, I go, hey, man, you know where you're at? He's like, nah. I said, man, Muhammad Ali fought a fight right here. And he looked me yeah. in the eye and he goes, I'm sorry, who? And I was like, oh, God, I'm so old. He didn't know who yeah, Muhammad yeah. Ali was, so it kind of melted yeah. my brain a little bit. Um, yeah. But we'll be playing there. That's our big one. We've got the Atlanta Jam also going on. But our big one, for sure, is the Best of South in July, okay. the first recruiting live period, downtown Atlanta at the World Congress Center. That is the one. If you're an independent team, you absolutely 1,000% have to be there. We had over 500 coaches there last year, and it's the place Great. that you're going to want to be at. So, But hoopscene.com slash events, that's where you can go find us. Listen, if you're an independent team, you got to find a place that you can go play. And being sure. competitive and like get a chance to put your guys in position that you can prove to these college coaches that you got some dudes that can absolutely wreck brackets because they're out there and they don't play for a brand. They 100% don't play for a brand. Those guys are really good. But the 60% of basketball is non-major basketball and they have to play somewhere. Yeah. So. Right, for sure. Thank you. Appreciate the insight. Appreciate you, we'll let you go. Thank you for your uh, insight, your, the numbers, and, and your your uh, great insight on the tournament as well. No, Thanks, guys. It. Okay, appreciate take it. care. Bye. As you see there, Ani, Justin has the nice one-liners, and he makes some great oh, points. You know? Like, you're, you're, there's some bracket <clears throat> buttons in, in, in these lower tiers, you know, and, and I never really thought about that too much, but he's right. How much transfers are, like, really kicking butt or the number one guy on a team? Right. I like, guess. how much are they, like, real impact guys on, you know, Sweet 16 uh, teams right now? Yeah. Uh, and like there, there are a few. Like I know uh, more at yeah. uh, like you, um, uh, Miami, and uh, more that's in U of H right now. But like you know, it's uh, it's just rare. It's not as as common. No, no, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, you know, we 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 go back to the thing. Uh, top seeds are struggling a little bit, but the best teams did survive. You know, which are probably Gonzaga, University of Arizona, and in Kansas. You know, I mean, they, so we 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 mentioned that. I think we did a pretty good job. You know, we the only team that surprised me that didn't play better, I thought, was Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, they, they just didn't play very well, and and um, you know, they they I thought their foot speed would make a difference, but Michigan played well. You know, was there any anything else that surprised you there, like in terms of the teams that got knocked off or any team? Other than that, I thought the the teams that advanced were fine. Yeah, I mean Baylor was a little bit surprising, but they've been up, they've been very kind of up and down uh this past month, especially not having LJ Cryer. Yeah. Um and the, the Tennessee. But other than that, yeah, I mean yeah. not surprised. Like Miami beating Auburn wasn't a shock. Like that was no. like, nah, I, yeah. I I had that I had Miami going through on that. I or at least I knew they'd cover. They were like no. an eight and a half point. I was like, oh Miami's gonna cover this. Right. <laughs> I was like, Wong is too good. They can't stay in front of Wong, you know what I mean? Like one uh, percent, you know, or you know uh, Isaiah Wong from or Philly, a really good co- college player. Um, it's very interesting, you know. Is down there in the East Region is is the winner of North Carolina, UCLA. You guys don't necessarily think they're going to get by Purdue. Sounds like you and Justin. Uh, yeah, oh uh, man, just how UNC is playing. Yeah, um, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I think Purdue is going to be that first, you know, Big Ten team in a while that can make it to the Final Four. Uh, they're playing pretty well. They get really get inside and out but it wouldn't surprise me if we see unc in a final four uh they're really clicking at the right time yeah unc's tough 
They're they're good. They got size. Uh, they got some good player Wendell Moore and, the, and those guys that are really good. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Midwest. Kansas, Providence. I know you guys like Providence. Uh, yeah. Justin talked about how much you like Providence. I, I, you know, between Iowa State, Miami, one of those teams is going to the eight. And then yeah. It's just Kansas too strong and like hey, Kansas is the number one seed. They're going to pull through or is Providence actually going to do it? And then we got a, a, a Cinderella eight between a Providence, Iowa State, Miami. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, just a just a dogfight, that uh, yeah. Providence-Kansas game. Um, see Kansas slightly edging them out, yeah. um, but it's going to sure. be a, it's going to be a brutal battle. I see Miami uh, uh, beating Iowa State and then that Miami uh, Kansas game because you know what Miami their advantage they have is they they do have the older guys that are experienced yeah. and you know they're ready to go. That's gonna be a, a dog fight. But I can see Kansas. I think Kansas comes out. Gotcha. Comes out Midwest on that. Now let's talk a little bit about the West. Uh, Gonzaga's obviously favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that big matchup that Duke won earlier there is that kind of the rematch people are looking for. Or can Arkansas or Texas Tech spoil the party? Texas Tech can definitely spoil the party. Either of them can. Um, yeah. I think Duke loses. Okay. Um, I actually think both of them lose. I'm gonna I'm go with the, I, I'm gonna They're go with Arkansas and Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. Yeah, wow. that's all. If I'm that take. happens. That's gonna <laughs> shock people. I think people are expecting, uh, honestly, the Gonzaga will play Duke or maybe Texas Tech, maybe 60-40 Duke, but right. because they know those teams, they know the names. But Gonzaga to lose any time before the eight would be a big shock. Uh, and then even to lose to Texas Tech or Duke would be a shock. So if that happens, we're, we just called it and we're going to come – excuse me, we're, we're going to come back to it. You know, that's that's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I like I like Note. I like how the guard play has been going for, for Arkansas. Devontae Davis, uh, Jalen Williams has stepped up. Um, yeah. I really like how Arkansas plays. Musselman got his boys rolling. Texas Tech, yeah. I mean, just how hard they defend, even though they almost they got into a tough one um, yeah. the other day. But uh, just the way they defend and get after it, um, you know, Duke's still young, and um, you know, I I mentioned to see how they how those young guys uh, kind of deal with the pressure of that Texas yeah. Tech defense. Yeah, you know. Uh... That that defense has been playing very good. Do they have enough offense to get by Duke? That's going to be the question. Like you said, is Duke going to get hit in the Duke's going to get hit in the mouth a bit? Or are they going to respond? Right. They've had and and they're talented enough. Either team has their hands full against Gonzaga if Gonzaga advances. They don't about it. I mean, the Gonzaga Gonzaga's kind of winning to me and not even playing their best. I you know I know Andrew Nemhart had a good second half against Memphis. Uh, you know that game was tough. Were you surprised Memphis? I, I wasn't surprised Memphis game, but tough game. It, I mean, that was their season, basically. They kind of salvaged their season a little bit, played pretty good. I think uh, Drew Timmy obviously was the difference, but what did you take of that? Did you think that Memphis, that's how they should have played the whole season, or do you think they kind of were like, hey, we're playing Gonzaga on a big stage. We need to step up. You know, they they, they did a solid job. There, there's a right. few things that Penny could have done different, but overall they did a solid job. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not surprised that the game was close. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I think we both predicted uh, Gonzaga winning. It in Memphis play like this consistently all season, then you don't see Gonzaga in the second round. You know, <laughs> like that's how talented they were. Yeah. Um, and I think you know the what I did like 
that I saw from Memphis was they there was a kind of a come together, even though there was questions about like the locker room and how that's really come along. But they kind of got together and like, hey, let's let's actually do this. And they gave Gonzaga a game. I mean, they were up by double digits at, at one point against them. So, yeah, uh, you know, like I'm not surprised, but if they played this way all season, then they you're not going to want to succeed. You know? Yeah, they wouldn't have to have played Gonzaga. They'd be right. probably in the Sweet 16. So that's everything counts. That's why I'm saying every game counts. All your games count, especially at the high school scene where we're talking about well, state champions, sure. invitational, Geico. Every every game counts in terms of your ranking. In, in a little bit in the NCAA tournament, I think the NCAA tournament takes into account your little more how you're playing than your overall season, but still all the games matter. Let's go to a team now in the region where the recent – Play has really made a difference, and especially with Houston, the five seed. They were like, I think, 11 of 12 now. Houston's really playing well. We got the third ward guys versus this pretty glamour uh, Arizona team that people, they love the camera. I mean, you can't get a better type of uh, contrasting matchup to me in the world right. five there. And then Michigan, Villanova. What, what do you see there? Oh, man. Arizona. It's gonna. It's a tough matchup for Houston, especially with the size uh, yeah. and the depth of size. Yes. Uh, Houston just gets after so much defensively. They're going to give Arizona yeah. different looks, and they're going to get after them. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how Arizona adjusts. And like you know, I remember you. We've said it multiple times. You said it multiple times about how Arizona handling adversity. Yeah. Uh, and they've handled adversity well against TCU, and I think they're kind of coming. I think you're seeing an Arizona team growing up. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with Houston. Uh, okay. I think some of the guys step up, like Fabian White, who's had a solid, who's had a good solid season. Uh, yeah. Josh Carlston, uh, Jamal Shedd's been playing really well. Kyler Edwards, more. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Houston with the edge there. Maybe just a uh, uh, bias on that, but we'll uh, sure. go give Houston the edge. But I think Arizona is a is a is a very tough matchup for Houston. Yeah. Um, I got Villanova versus uh, beating Michigan. Uh, I just think Villanova got a solid depth of talent. They're like a tight <laughs> uh, yeah. system, and you know, I, I think that's. I think this is where Michigan. Uh, you know, even though they've had a hell of a run, especially with Juwan Howard coming back, which we didn't yeah. think this. You know, who yeah. would have thought when we had our show like he would be coaching the Sweet Sixteen right now? Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a good fantasy, I didn't think, but he, they've done a good job, and they have some personnel. You know, right. and but again, we were kind of like the Big Ten's overrated, which they are, and we so. that we were wrong on that. But he's the one team that's that's doing well. They got right. some good players. You know, they, they definitely got some good players. I, I think you're right, Villanova. I think it's just too well schooled and well well oiled. I do think the Arizona Houston winner advances to the Final Four, though. For sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, if Houston wins that game, they're not gonna, they're going to roll to the Final Four again. Yeah, you know, Calvin Sampson can't say enough about him. Most people think he's doing a hell of a, as good of a job as anybody. Um, again, like you said, Justin mentioned all the good players from Houston and all the good players from Texas, and 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 that's not surprising. You know, I followed Texas ball, even though I've never been in Texas in terms of living. I, I followed it my whole life because of, of the football and how big it was. I and mean, you know, the old joke was, uh, you know the. Spring football is the second best sport in, 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 in Texas. And that, you know, that was a big thing always for a long time. And then the, the event operator stepped their game up. The cities were growing. Uh, just the, 
the coaches getting down to watch players in in Houston and Dallas and in Fort Worth in the surrounding areas, we talked about Beaumont being having good basketball over the years in, in, in other towns. Right. I'm sure there's, it's such a huge state, but now where did they go from here? Like a TCU, Texas tech, you know, they, they, there's so many good. Is there enough talent to sustain those teams to all be good for the next five years on or, or something had to break here? I mean, is there some, uh, you know, is Calvin Sampson going to move on to the NC state or something like that? Or is, Honestly, that's not anything he's thinking about right now. But what do you foreshadow? Can these teams sustain being very good? Is there yeah, I mean, I think Calvin Sampson stays till he retires yeah. in Houston. Um, you know, I think you got a lot of talent, especially like the 25 class here. We just had yeah. a, a tournament. Uh, Buff ran yeah. a tournament and Jim yeah. Hicks ran a tournament. You got a lot of talent in this 25 class, the 24 okay. class as well. 23 class, not the depth isn't where. I think okay. that's a national thing too. Uh, but, um, you know, I think next five years you can still recruit in state and be fine. Louisiana is actually starting to like, they're starting, like they, they have some talent there. You can kind of dip in Arkansas, even though it's tough, you got a top Arkansas kid, you know, yeah. getting him be out. Yeah. Arkansas is very tough. Oklahoma, always a South town, but I think you can always, you know, they're going to go portal, but like you can recruit in state and be just fine the next five years and have yeah. success. And I think if you go out of state, you don't have to go too far, right? Gotcha. Uh, like you can go Louisiana, you can go Arkansas, you can kind of find a diamond in the rough before you before you yeah. make finds them. Um, and you go Oklahoma, I think you can find some real diamond in the rough in those areas. Yeah, I agree with that. So yeah, I, I just it's pretty exciting to see all the good Texas basketball in recent years. Just Texas has their work cut out from Chris Beard, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, did a did a hell of a job at Texas Tech. He moved over, and Texas Tech's still rolling with their right. their assistant has moved up, and he's kind of following that same path. So you you got uh, you know teams that have the, those two teams are are in the Sweet Sixteen. Then Arkansas. How about if Arkansas beats Gonzaga? Like you said, them top guys are not leaving. They ain't, <laughs> leaving. <laughs> they, they ain't leaving. Like you not you not you not out being uh, Arkansas. You yeah. not out being Must. And Must is very. He's very active as a recruiter for you know as a head coach. Like you know, it's it's just hard. It's going to be hard for them to leave home. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. I just like to see the competitiveness amongst the teams and who they get. Like you said, they got some transfers. Obviously, Houston's done a great job, and, and that's going to be a tough game. I, I I think the key to that game will be how the fouls are called. Coloco hasn't been in foul trouble. I know TCU's guy was a little bit in foul trouble. He had a hell of a game. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if the game's called real close and tight, or if they let them let them play, you know, what did you think of that? That uh, my play, the my TCU and the and the Arizona thought is that they weren't going to call a foul with that guy. The the great play was the trap. Now, what yes. happened after that is open up for debate. But the guy was facing the other way. He was forty seven feet from the basket. I just didn't think they were going to call a foul. But if it wasn't a foul, then that means it was a backcourt. Right. You know, so I, I, I don't whether it's a foul, I can live with it being a foul. But if it wasn't a foul, then it was a backcourt violation. Yeah, I just think of the situation, like you said, like getting trapped that high up close to half court. Sure. Yeah. Do you call do you call a foul and then send them to the free throw line and that's game? Like, that's game. you know, like you don't want a game. And like now, if he clearly just hacked the hell out of him, I mean, yeah. that's one thing. But. Situation like that, you gotta let the play. You gotta let it move on. You know, yeah, you gotta you let, let it move on. on. He was 
trapped. It was a good play. He tried to get out. He had nowhere to go. And, and you know, like he stepped on the line, but the refs didn't see it or they didn't weren't in the moment to, in position to call it. It didn't look like they were in position to call it. Right. And then, uh, but TCU did a really good job. And that wasn't, you know, as a one, was a one nine or whatnot. It was, uh-huh. nobody suspected that Arizona was going to blow them out. So right. Was, you know, they, they, they did a hell of a job. But yeah, if we could look at, let's say like a Gonzaga or most likely Gonzaga, let's just say Gonzaga, then you got a Gonzaga playing either, you know, uh, North Carolina or Purdue. And then you got Houston versus most likely Kansas. I mean, yeah. again, those might be a pace, but more, most likely. Or Arizona versus Kansas. That That's a – that, that, those are big-time games. But then again, it goes back to what me and you and Chelsea said last week. After all this mumbo-jumbo, we're kind of getting back to the Blue Bloods again. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. The Blue Bloods are the ones that survive. So – what are the chances that a Miami or St. Pete wins two more games or even Providence? Two more uh, games. That's a lot of wins. That's a lot Those of wins. Two huge wins. I mean, Providence having Kansas, that's just that's just yeah. tough. I yeah. don't see them winning two more. Miami, no. No. Yeah. St. Peter's, no. Great story, but great story. No. It like you said, it's just I mean, it comes back to the blue bloods. Like <laughs> they're the ones, they're the yeah. ones that last. And and like Justin talked about, I mean, those are those are programs that aren't really just hunting in the transfer portal like that either. Yeah, you they kind of just don't need to. It seems like right. Um, yeah, you know, it's a great great uh, tournament, um, and and it, we love the storylines. It's been a really cool to see, and and I really like Justin's just his input in terms of like how he broke it down, like where the recruits are from and where they're getting it. I never really thought about the transfer right. portal like that. I know fill bodies, but are filling bodies better than developing? Maybe the college coaches don't feel they have time to develop like they used to. Yeah. What do you think it is? Uh, I Like, hey, we bring in a bunch of young freshmen. We're going to have – if we have a bad season or two, we're going to get fired. Right. So what, what do you think it is that, that it's like, hey, I'm going to go get a seasoned guy instead, even though he may not be huge impactful? Yeah, I think it's a it's a mixture of a couple things like situations, you yeah. know, didn't have a great season, um, yeah. contracts not renewed, yeah. you know, and then you're in a situation where you, you know, maybe a stopgap is better because you have to win that season, you know, yeah. the next season to even get it extended. Um, Contract extended. Yeah, and I mean, it's just I think it's more so just like how the previous seasons have gone. You know, what is your status? Like, let's yeah. say, can you afford to potentially have a rough season this year when you go through de- going through development? And uh, I think that's just where um, some of these coaches are. But again, like when you look at all of it, you're not going 11 or 12 deep. You know, yeah. you're really going seven, eight. Correct. And, and so why can't your why can't you have a diet? Yeah. of high school kids and portal kids. I don't think there's a there's a real issue with it. But I think it's more so just a little bit of panic, you know, panic. when you don't have a good season yeah. and you know like if you have another bad season that you're gonna be you're gonna get fired. So yeah. then it's like the automatic is I gotta get a portal kid. I gotta get an older kid. Like these young guys are gonna help me keep my job yeah. right now. And right. but still it's like when you when you have an older guy be your 10, 11, 12 man, let's say, yeah. they aren't going to be happy. <laughs> be they're not be happy and they're not developing. You're not developing them. 
Right. And that's going to trickle into what people don't realize that could trickle into your three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just the whole culture, just the whole environment I mean, can just be, can take a hit. Yeah. I would rather want a disgruntled young player than a disgruntled old player. 100%. With, with, with bad habits or whatever the reason he was in the portal. Could be a million reasons. We don't know, obviously, know the reason for each guy, 1,200 guys, but right, there, there's something that happened, you know, or something that didn't happen for that kid. So very interesting. I uh, It's going to be an interesting upcoming Sweet 16 weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep following it, and we'll come back next weekend with our more in-depth on the Final Four. We'll go over what we – Went over, we'll talk a little bit more about the high school season quickly wrapping up, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh some of the life period things, what 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 might uh where we might be or what what what's a big event. There's so many, as Justin said, there's so many. So we we appreciate Jordan Divins coming on, talk a little bit of high school and Justin to talk a little bit about recruiting in the tournament. Sure. I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. Wanted to go over a couple things. Before we do, we, we talked about what we're going to say next week. Well, we want to talk about the our podcast network, um, you know, Kicks of Your Life with uh, Jordan McLaughlin of the Timberwolves is is, is rolling and going. Noble, Noble and Roosh continue to have uh, talented guests and, and good insight. We got Buckets and Breakdowns, Unapologetic, and a few others. So make sure to check those out. Ballslife.com, also on the Balls Life Podcast Network on YouTube. We appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, going there and checking those out, checking ours out on YouTube and on Spotify and, and iTunes. I want to also talk about the, you know, the women's drop. We're still getting that out there. Uh, second installment of the women's line. It has good reviews. Shop.ballslife.com, you know, free shipping on all U.S. orders. It's a limited release, so go check that out, ladies, or do something. Get yeah, maybe people should get some for their ladies. You know, all the men's buy some, be nice, and get some for you. I'm, I'm gonna get some for mine. I'm gonna get some for mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, use that. Make sure you use that discount code, the in the paint discount code P A I N T one five. That's again P A I N T one five for the one time discount code. But until then, until our next episode, me and Ani are logging off. <laughs>